I'm going to turn where we're going to end up. And like I said, I don't have my right hand, my better half, here with me today. She, I don't know if she got the flu bug in Gatlinburg, like I was telling the Sunday school class. Uh, we didn't go to Florida. I think y'all heard that from Jerry again. But uh, we were supposed to go to Florida. She took off Friday before Labor Day, and we were supposed to head down there and see uh, my in-laws in the Orlando area and then head over to Tampa St. Pete to see her brother, Jack. But uh, Dorian changed all those plans and... Uh, because at the time, on Friday, of course, it was still uh, pounding the Bahamas, and they were projecting that it might just go right, right across Florida and hit Florida, and people were coming this way <laughs> on 75. So we, we thought the better of uh, heading, into, heading into traffic in that situation. We, uh, unbelievably, I know, we live in Chattanooga, and we've never been to Gatlinburg, okay? So I heard that. 15 times over the weekend in Gatlinburg. Where are you from? Chattanooga. And you've never been to Gatlinburg? No, okay. When the, like I told them in Sunday school, I've been to uh, Ruby Falls once. Went to Rock City twice. All right, so don't tell Joy I've only been to Rock City two times, okay? And that was back in the 70s or 80s. And uh, so we had never gone up to Gatlinburg, so I said, honey, let's just go to Gatlinburg, you know, so, but uh, we went up there, and it was crowded. It was Labor Day weekend, it was crowded, and it was hot, so, but she must have caught something there or something, because then when she got up Tuesday, she just went back to work, she didn't just stay out all week, so she got up Tuesday, and she uh, said, I think I'm getting sick. So and she doesn't get sick very often. So, but anyway, she's got the flu, so she is not here. So, and she may be listening. In. I don't know if she feels well enough to listen in. But today's uh, remember I always title these little uh, messages, and I don't know if it's good or bad for you all. But basically, I'm not preaching to the choir since we don't have a choir, but. I'm preaching to myself, because basically what I preach up here is just stuff that gets to me when I'm doing my own personal study. So uh, some of you may know if you see my postings on Facebook, because that's about all I do on Facebook anymore, is uh, post something in the morning and wish somebody happy birthday. So, Which, uh, yeah, you had a birthday here real recently there, Miss Mary. Did we sing birthday heard already way back at the beginning of September or something? Yeah. Well, go ahead then. You lead it. I'm not a song leader. Sing happy birthday to Mary. Everybody. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah.
I, I, didn't, I didn't sing, Mary, because I spared all the people online <laughs> listening to me booming out happy birthday to uh, Mary. But uh, yeah, that was just this past week. So, But anyway, I was going through Psalms a couple of months ago, these Psalms, and uh, something stuck out. So today's message is steadfast. Or just plain stubborn? And uh, this, uh, the, the Bible that I actually have is an NASV that was a gift from uh, a nice couple named Alan and Janet Robinson years ago. They actually had my name embossed on it up there. But in my tablets and stuff I use early in the morning when I'm reading, I have the ESV on there. The, and this isn't a message about what translation's better than another translation. But anyway, 204 times in the ESV, they use that, well, actually 208 times in 204 verses, they use that term steadfast. And 128 of those is in the Psalms. So that's where this message <laughs> came from because I was, you know, I read through the scriptures and like I said a couple months ago I was going through the Psalms, posting a lot of Psalms that were touching me on, on social media. But 128 of the 208 times that the term steadfast is used in the ESV, it's in the Psalms. And a lot of those is talking about this steadfast love of the Lord that he is steadfast, the steadfast love that he portrayed toward the nation of Israel and he portrays to us also as believers. And I was thinking, you know, uh, things pop into my head, but, you know, there's you got personality traits and there's they, they always talk about, I'm not a psychologist or whatever, but, you know, they talk about there's, positive and negative aspects of people's personality traits. Like, right? Like, are you confident or are you conceited? You know what I mean? That's another funny story. <laughs> Angie, if you're listening, she didn't hates it when I talk about her in messages. But Years ago, when uh, our, our former pastor at uh, Grace Baptist, that's no longer the pastor right now, but uh, he just went there, I think, in October of 78. And it wasn't far long after that that uh, my in-laws, Jack and Loretta, started attending with their children, which my wife is one of them. So uh, there was only about 25 to 30 people going there. And when I went there in May of 79, there was only 50-something, 50 55 people or something attending there. But anyway, they were over there eating at the Clark's house, the pastor and his wife, one Sunday after church. And there's a, I don't know if it was something about academics or athletics, and my picture happened to be in the Sunday paper. And Dr. Oler is flipping through the Sunday paper, and as he tells me, he goes to Angie and said, now here's the kind of guy that you need to be looking to date or what da 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 She goes, oh, and she looked at the picture. He's probably just another one of those stuck-up jocks. She called me 
So anyway, it was like months later when I came there for the first time in May, uh, late May after I graduated from high school, and I attended with my brother. I rode out there one time with my brother Dan, and a high school friend of mine was going to church there too, the painters, you know, Bill and Eileen, and I'd graduated with both their daughters, and Pam introduced me to Angie. She said after she met me, then she was pretty sure that I was a stuck-up. No, <laughs> Uh, she said I wasn't, you know, that. But anyway, if you get to know people, sometimes we put that first impression of somebody. But anyway, conceited or confident? You know, are you, do you have a sense of pride or are you arrogant? Like, I'm the proud son of Tom and Thelma Smith. But I never took, you know, my ancestors founded the little town I grew up in. But fortunately, I never got off into doing something, got, had to get arrested for something and say, well, do you know who my ancestors are? You know, that kind of thing, you know. My ancestors founded this town. But anyway, are you arrogant or are you just have a, a healthy sense of pride? So, thus the title of the sermon, are you steadfast or just plain stubborn? Which side of that coin are we on? Because our Heavenly Father tells us, just like God is holy, so He tells us to, you be holy. 1 Peter 1.15. Right? God is light, so He tells us, you be holy. Light, Ephesians 5, 8. And then God is steadfast, so then he commands us to be ye steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which I think somebody just read. Sort of funny how the Lord takes stuff that doesn't know that's going to happen and sort of like the songs a lot of times that Ken picks out and they intertwine with the, not just my, but what Brother Al's talking about or uh, when Mark's speaking or in, in the past when I've had the opportunity or privilege to speak and then some of the songs that, you know, it's not like we called each other the night before and talked about it, but it is the Lord does that, the Holy Spirit. So, God's holy, he tells us to be holy. God is light, he tells us we should be light. God is steadfast, and he says you be steadfast. So 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And of course we won't just be in there. There's a lot of pages, but used to have people ask me why I carried a the notebook around with me all the time, but I think I told somebody years ago because I like to scare people into thinking that that was a, you're going to be here a while. But but First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil 
Your work is not vain in the Lord. Always abounding. And what's that term that we've heard before with speakers? I say, or the, the Greek grammarians or preachers or theologians. If you see that word therefore, then you're supposed to see what it's there for, right? So we'll go back and start being, a, we're not going to go all the way back to 1 Corinthians 15, or we would be here around if I read all of 1 Corinthians. But we'll go back to the first verse of 1 Corinthians 15. Even though I like to think I could read pretty fast, but never took that. What is that, Evelyn Wood? We're all old enough here to know the Evelyn Wood thing, right? The old commercial about the speed reading. She liked to call it dynamic reading. At the commercial, they'd always have somebody up there. I used to, could hardly read, but I took the Evelyn Woodhead sped reading course, and now I can read really fast. But 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Are we steadfast, or are we just plain stubborn? We'll get to the stubborn part of it, the negative part of it. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you hold, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. If you hold fast the word. All right, now let's flip and talk about the, uh, the negative side of that, that stubbornness. Instead of the steadfastness. The word stubborn only appears 21 times in 20 verses in the ESV. Six of those times it's in the book of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 9.6 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is not, not giving you this good land to beget, possess. Now who's he talking about? Nation of Israel, right? Because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Deuteronomy 9.13 Furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Deuteronomy 10.16 Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. Deuteronomy 21, 18. This is just talking about a particular instance. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father, or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them. It's given instructions of how to deal with an unruly child or unruly son. But his unruliness is because he's stubborn and he won't listen to them. Deuteronomy 31, 27. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are, 
Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more will you be after my death? And that's when he's talking to him about after he's gone, how they're going to act when he's still alive and with them and trying to instruct them who's, who's talking and who's li- supposed to be listening. Right? In Deuteronomy, Moses and the children of Israel. He's saying, hey, I'm here instructing you now and you're still acting like this and you won't listen. And in that listening, it has the inherent meaning of they're actually following out and listening, obeying, and fleshing it out, what they've been instructed. It's just one thing to just come into the Sunday morning service or you listen on over the, over the live stream and you hear the Word of God over and over and over again. And it's another thing to really listen and hear it and obey and go out and flesh it out. We see that in the Revelation, which I was reading in this morning. If you turn to Revelation, the first chapter, the very first three verses. says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the thing which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all that he saw. Verse 3, blessed is he who reads. Is that what it says? Like I think I told, said before, I actually was talking to some person and they said they tried to read through Revelation multiple times in a year because they get a blessing for <laughs> reading it. But they sort of stopped short. It's not just the reading of the book. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. So it's not just reading, it's not just hearing, but you heed the words of the book. You live it out. You obey Read, hear, heed. Read, hear, heed. See, and their stubbornness came, the nation of Israel, and did they hear it? Yeah, they heard it. But they did not obey. And it was, the, it was a heart attitude. They heard all the words that the Lord had spoke to them through Moses, but they had a stubborn heart. And they did not 
heed the words and obey and follow through. They had their own agenda that they wanted to. And you see that again in the New Testament when, he, when Jesus Christ appears on the scene, right, with the religious leaders. They had their own agenda. <laughs> they were doing all these good works, right? First Corinthians 15, verse 3. It says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, the Apostle Paul. For I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I. Wasn't just Paul going out trying to do a bunch of good works. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Okay? church at Corinth, they had believed Paul's preaching. Verse 12, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now what's happened in the early church, which is still going on today? Who came in? The false teachers, right? The leaven in the lump in the Matthew parables. Right? And it's been doing its work for almost 2,000 years. The false teachers, the leaven in the lump. Verse 13, But if there is no resurrection of the dead... Not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he didn't raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Then there's that three-letter word again. It's a big one. But, 
right? Verse 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it's evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him. A lot of subjecting going on. So that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will those who do who are baptized for the dead, if the dead are not raised, why then are they baptized for them? Why are we also in danger every hour? I affirm, brethren, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If from human motives I fought with wild beasts at Ephesus, what did it profit me? He's saying, why are they being persecuted? You know, why are they persecuting? Why did he fight wild beasts? If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we'll just die. But, verse 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Remember the old the apple and the bushel thing. Better watch who you're hanging around with. Because if you got a bad bushel of apples, you just throw one good one in there, you didn't make the rest of them turn good again. Right? Bad company corrupts good morals. 34, become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, I speak to your shame. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to myself, but You know, if you go into work Monday through Friday, and the way you carry on, somebody joins your office or something, and then they find out you go to church, and they go, Jeff goes to church? <laughs> huh? That's a problem, right? Right? 
If I shave, get all cleaned up, put a tie on on Sunday, but then Monday through Friday, and I know I rarely put a tie on, but I, but I did today. <clears throat> but then Monday through Friday at the office, you know what I mean? That's a problem. But as we've said before, can believers walk in darkness? Absolutely. He said, I speak this to your shame. Verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised, and with what kind of body do they come? Ken was just talking about that earlier. Three tenses of salvation. You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another of fish. And that's why I'm a trichotomist. Because men are different than animals. Men and women, excuse me, are different than animals. I use mankind, men in an overall general sense, ladies. Men are different than animals, right? We have a body, soul, and spirit. And that's what bugs me about, you know, like the groups like PETA and stuff, you know, that elevate animals over human beings. Because the same ones that are talking about that were crucifying Mike, Michael Vick, and I'm not... Everybody know who Michael Vick is in here? <laughs> okay, I thought I might have thrown out a sports reference and caught people off guard. But. And I'm not saying that he wasn't wrong for having that dog fighting thing going on. I'm not saying that you should abuse dogs. I love dogs, so I'm not backing up Michael Vick. I'm just saying the same people that were wanting him to be strung up and drawn and quartered are the ones that don't have any problem with murdering 2,000 babies every day. Right? They elevate beast above man. But there's different kinds of flesh. Verse 40 There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, 
there is also a spiritual one. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, who is whom? Jesus Christ, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood... Here we're getting to it, verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And if you uh, were in Sunday school, if you missed it, you know, Jeremy, Jerry, Jeremy, Jerry's been in the Matthew, and we were in. 25 today, talking about the sheeps and the goats. Uh, that brought back a conversation I had, uh, you know, Tennessee Temple closed down, and of course they sold it to somebody else, and they were in there remodeling a lot of the buildings. They sold it to some school. Uh, well, they sold it to the Redemption Point Church, which is the church of God out on Udawal Ringgold Road, but everybody always waters down their name now and doesn't want their denomination to be prominent so uh but then they sold some of the buildings to this uh chattanooga girls leadership academy and anyway they were remodeling a lot of the old temple buildings somehow the contractor i've known him for years he was a believer the superintendent was down there with the contractor and he called me and said hey man there's these rooms in the old temple building just full of boxes and stuff and stuff strewn all over the place you want to come down here and look through it which i did uh, then I mistakenly posted some stuff on those Tennessee Temple websites on social media and started getting a bunch of people saying, oh, can you find me a 1968 TTU you know, uh, chimes or something like that? And I just tried to politely say I wasn't trying to be the curator of the <laughs> Tennessee Temple Museum and I wasn't going to dig through a bunch of stuff, try to find them specific annuals and stuff like that but anyway I had a friend who's a missionary that was sent out by Grace Baptist and I won't say his name because some people in here would and he was on furlough and he asked me and I went down there on a Saturday with him because I had the combination to get in the doors from the superintendent and let him look around through some stuff and then we were riding back out I was dropping off his house he started talking about asking because he'd been on the field why we had left grace and and all that stuff and so we were just going through some stuff somehow the sheeps and the goats came up because i had made the comment like jerry did that there's no future judgments where unbelievers and believers are judged at the same time and he came back well, what about the sheep and the goats in matthew 25 i said that's not taught about going to heaven and those are both groups of believers and he said, I don't know anybody that thinks that the goats are not unbelievers. I said, well, now you do. 
But what they fall into is what I was talking with Mark and Ken earlier before Sunday school, is they all go through these seminaries and they get taught by some guy that's been taught by somebody else and they go out and into the pulpit or into the field and they just regurgitate the same thing they were taught. And there's no delving into the Word and really letting your mind open up and being steadfast and studying the Word instead of just stubborn. Oh, I've never heard that before. Well, that's not what so-and-so taught. Well, that's not what Dr. So-and-so taught me at seminary. Well, that's not what our pastor believes. Well, what is this book teaching? Right? What does this book teach? Not what Dr. So-and-so said. What does this book teach? Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But, there's that three-letter word again. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we got back there. Therefore, because of all that stuff he just talked about, Remember, false teachers had come in and started saying, there's no resurrection from the dead. Right? Eat, drink, marry, we all die. But then he goes through that whole chapter saying that's not the case. But, but, but. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In whose work? The work of the Lord. Abounding is in the present tense. Continuous action. In the work. Work is singular, so it doesn't matter what you're doing. Somebody might be cleaning the church. That can be a work of the Lord. Right? For as knowing that your work is not vain in the Lord. If you're about the Lord's work, right? That gold, silver, precious stones that Jerry was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Because you can do a bunch of works and you'll get to the judgment seat and you find out you were working for yourself. It's wood, hay, and stubble. You're working because you want people to say, hey, look at all this stuff I'm doing. Look at how good a person I am. S 
steadfast or just plain stubborn? And you got that because when I was reading through the Psalms, 128 times, it said the Lord was steadfast. And he wants us to be steadfast. And not stubborn. So don't come, don't hear the word, don't read it, hear it, or come and hear it and not heed it. And obey. Like the Israelites, remember? And like a lot of present day Christians, right? They just come to church, get all cleaned up, dressed up, come to church, hear the word, go out, just live their life any old way they want to. I'm saved, right? I'm going to heaven when I die. Steadfast, not just plain stubborn. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We pray that your word goes forth and not the words of men. We pray that we each have eyes to see and ears to hear this day, that we would be steadfast according to your word. And we'll thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen.